everyone. Welcome to the I Dare You podcast. This podcast, it is all about you and helping you reach the big goals that you have for your life and what next steps do you want to take to get there. I'm your host, Darren Johnson. I am so glad you are here. If you're first time to the show, you are not alone. The show is growing like a wildfire, all because of you. Not only are you listening, but you're also sharing the episode with others. Welcome to episode 103. This episode, we're focusing in on financial wellness. Do a quick self-audit. How are you doing as far as financial wellness? And you might be right where you think you need to be, and now you just need to tweak a few things. Or maybe you know you need to make some bigger changes. Wherever you find yourself, our guest is going to speak directly to you. He is George Camel. George is a Ramsey personality and a personal finance expert. George's story is so cool because following Ramsey's proven money plan, he went from negative net worth to a millionaire in under 10 years. And he's only 34 years old. Now, he also has a brand new book, debut author, called Breaking Free from Broke. Now, George speaks all over the country. And he's also the co-host of the top-ranked Ramsey Network podcasts like Smart Money Happy Hour and The Ramsey Show. And on his YouTube channel, George educates and entertains, and he exposes the financial system that is designed to keep you broke. And his goal is to help people spend less to save more and avoid the money traps. Why? So they can live a life with more margin, options, and freedom. Now, what can you expect to learn in this episode? Well, if you worry about money and need hope for the future, you're in the right spot. You're also going to get some specific next steps you can take to enjoy more financial wellness. And you're also going to ramp up your financial literacy. I'm really excited about this interview with George. I can't wait for you to meet him. He's a millennial with an amazing story to tell and a message that we need to hear. Get ready, everybody. This is going to change how you look at financial wellness. Let's get into it. Here, everyone, on the I Dare You podcast is George Camel. George, welcome to the I Dare You podcast. It's really good having you here. It's such an honor to be here. I saw you had my friend Rachel Cruz on and Dr. John Deloney and uh, people may not know, I host a show with Rachel Cruz called Smart Money Happy Hour, where we have a whole lot of fun talking about personal finance and pop culture and just trying to connect with uh, with people that may not want to talk about money all the time, which is understandable. We're kind of nerdy around here. Well, you guys do a great job. I mean, the podcast, tell us a little bit about your background, George, about how did you then first become part of Ramsey? Where did it all start for you? Well, for me, it was an interesting career journey because I started as an intern at Ramsey Solutions back in 2013. I was just kind of a knucklehead, 23-year-old, $40,000 in consumer debt, looking for just any salary job, anyone that would hire me, and I would do anything, email marketing, social media. I'd, you know, I'd clean the toilets. And so that was my first foray was working in social media here at Ramsey for the personalities. So I was always drawn to Hey, people that have a really unique message that want to help people improve their life, that was something I've always been drawn to. And I, I come from a music background, musician, kind of entertainer, uh, filmmaker. And so I've always loved just creating in a unique way that connects with people. So over the years at Ramsey, I progressed and, and got different roles. And so this is my sixth job here. But uh, hmm. I became a host and started emceeing our live events and hosting our video channel for The Ramsey Show and I was so passionate about the money message because it changed my life. I got out of that 40000 in debt. I met my wife here at Ramsey, and we ended up paying off our house in our early 30s, becoming net worth millionaires. And I'm shouting from the rooftops that if an average George like me can do it with immigrant parents who was handed nothing, then anyone can. So, George, part of what I know about you is that you call yourself and self-proclaimed loud and proud that you're an average millennial. And, and by average, 
What does that mean exactly as you look back on your your career and your life so far? Well, I, I hope that I have broken free from that, but I, I like to say that I'm the average millennial because average in America is is broke, is normal. That's sort of the just the suck bar, you know, if, if you will. And so that that's kind of I want to make sure that people know that I'm not here shouting from, you know, the high tower that I've been in it with them in the trenches, feeling frustrated and cynical toward adulthood, following this path that we were all told is the path. Get good grades in school, get to the college of your dreams. We funded it with Monopoly money from Sally Mae and just crossed our fingers that we would have an amazing job at the other side. And here we are, student loan crisis, car loans are at the highest they've ever been, credit card debt is at an all-time high, and everyone is frustrated trying to point fingers at the boomers and the and Congress and the Fed and the guy in the White House is screwing this all up. And very few people are willing to just hold up a mirror and go like, that's the problem. The guy in the mirror, if I can get control of him, we can solve all of this and stop the finger pointing and have a way better life with more peace. And so that's what I had to do 10 years ago when I started this journey. And truthfully, that's the hardest part is just to go, it's not all my fault, but it's my responsibility. That's a huge breakthrough for a lot of people. Yeah, easier said than done, I imagine. You talked to so many, so many callers uh, on that point. And how do you help get people to that point where they they realize that it is up to them and they have even more power than they than they think, than they know? So how do you get people to realize that? Well, what we try to do, you know, even in a radio call on The Ramsey Show, is move people from a victim mentality to a victor mentality and move them from, well, my options are just A and B. It's black and white. Either I do this awful thing where I go into more debt or I just stay where I am. And we try to show them option C and D and show them that hope is out there and that other people have done it and that you're not alone in this. So for a lot of people, it takes... Uh, an emotional turn. For some people, it takes a mathematical turn. You know, when someone's really emotional on a radio call, I try to get us to the math and go, listen, what is your income? What's your expenses? How much debt do you have? Great. You have $10,000 in debt. We can solve this. Can you pay off $1,000 a month? Well, I could find enough margin to do that. If you sold stuff, you stopped investing, you found some margin, side hustles. Yeah, I could come up with a thousand. Great. In 10 months on paper, you could become debt-free. Do you believe that? And so it's amazing how, you know, we talk about how personal finance is 80% behavior, it's 20% head knowledge and math. So if we can find the perfect combo of that based on that person's personality, there's a lot of amazing magic that happens when it comes to their financial future. So George, that is, that's really easy for, for you to say or for me to say, but I'm sure your background, you're a finance pro, probably went to some hotshot MBA school, <laughs> your mom and dad, uh, you probably trust fund. Easy to say when you get it handed to you. Is that part yeah, of you your know, story? When I was handed a million dollars, when I came out of the womb, I was like, this is going to be easy. I'll tell people how to do it. Oh man, I wish. Yeah. I don't have uh, the traditional finance background. I got a degree in communication and luckily I'm using that degree. Unlike most of my millennial friends, it's an honor, but you know, I, I went to the school of hard knocks, I guess. I had to make a lot of the financial mistakes with zeros on the end to learn to not touch that hot stove again. And my parents immigrated here from the Middle East in the 80s, and uh, they worked really hard. They had a great work ethic, and they raised us, my, my brother and I, uh, wonderfully, but they fell for the money traps. And so when it came time for college, they were like, don't worry about it. We'll figure it out. And I went, oh, my gosh, these people must have secret money laying around. This is amazing. Turns out that what that meant was we're going to help you acquire the student loans, you know? And so I woke up after graduation going, 
oh my gosh, I pulled my credit report and found all these student loans from Sally Mae and Navient and all these other ones. And I'm going, this is my mess to clean up. I didn't sign up for this. I didn't even know what the interest rate was. And that's so many Americans. At 17, we're telling kids to sign on the dotted line with a lot of just finger crossing. And they're now frustrated at their parents, at their misguided guidance counselors, at the student loan companies, at the colleges who have been raising tuition at, at crazy rates. And so I'm here to tell you, it's as crazy as you think it is. And there is a way out. There is a way to break free from this whole system. Okay. Well, you have my attention. Um, part of your philosophy and based on what, listening to you, and, and I read your new book, by the way, last night, Breaking Free from Oh, Broke. thank you. Really solid and jam-packed with data, but also solutions. But part of what I picked up from you is that you really view this as a probably a toxic money culture. And tell me a little bit more about that, um, about what that view is for you. Well, when I started this journey and, and went through Financial Peace University, our flagship money course, it was so eye-opening to realize the financial system as it stands today in America is designed to keep us broke. It's designed to keep us reliant on it. And it starts with the credit score. I mean, that's what we're all aiming for at 18. Our parents tell us, you got to open your first credit card. Why? So you can build your credit. And think about what that is. You get a credit score so that you're able to get more debt. And then we get more debt so that we can build up our credit score. And we think that this game isn't rigged by all these debt companies that are all in cahoots together going, we're going to make a lot of people broke and make a lot of money doing it. And that's exactly what they've done. There's a reason Capital One is sponsoring the Taylor Swift tour, and we can't afford tickets to the Taylor Swift tour. Wow. These companies are winning, and they're luring us in, Darren, with cash back, get your 2%, rotating rewards this month. If you go out to eat, we'll give you 5%. And all of our millennial brains are like, oh, this is how we play the game. You know, we're used to everything being gamified. And so that leads us down this path where it becomes credit scores and then the credit card. And, well, we got to have a car payment. Can't be driving around that beater of a car that's a death trap on the interstate. And then our parents pressure us to get a house because that's really the key. You got to get a house. You got to get a house. Don't waste money on rent. And all of a sudden we wake up with payments surrounding us and our income never seems enough. We're finding that a third of people making six figures are living paycheck to paycheck. And so this is not an income problem anymore, Darren. This is a lifestyle problem. It's a debt problem. And inflation and all the other stuff is just making it worse. George, it seems daunting. I mean, how do we get ahead of this? And how can each of us make changes in order to reverse the trend? Well, I think it, it starts with that path I, I talked about early on with school and grades and college and adulthood and you know, there's a lot of well-meaning parents out there who they just also learned the wrong information or didn't learn something at all. And when you really think about it, our culture is just obsessed with debt. The goal now is to acquire as much debt as possible because that's what we're told is the path to succeeding or at least looking like we're succeeding, right? True. That car in the driveway may have a $700 payment attached, but it makes us look good, doesn't it? And yeah. that mortgage attached to that beautiful house, we can't breathe, but man, our neighbors think we are doing pretty good. So I think a lot of it is a comparison culture, and it's a very American problem. Other cultures, you know, they have debt too, but, you know, we are number one in America at a lot of things, and debt is on that list as well. And so I think it starts there with a lot of well-meaning people, even the, the culture of debt. When you look at how, how credit cards started, how student loans started, they had very well-meaning starts. You know, it was never meant to become this profit-building industry, but over time, People realize we can make a real quick buck off of these people and use psychology to keep them in debt. 
So I talk about a lot of the history in the book because I think the context helps us understand just how crazy it is and just how recent it is. I mean, if you yeah. think about 30 years ago, it was hard. Like it, it was shameful to be in debt in our grandparents' time. That's right. But nowadays it's celebrated. You know, it's more about look at that beautiful car I have and not look at that payment I'm carrying with it. So we have to just put our blinders on and go, what is right for my family? And I think what's right for families is freedom in their finances, in their time, in their options, in their joy that they have. And debt always is a thief of that joy and a thief of their paychecks. You had in the book a story about how when you left college, you got your first job and you paid, you started paying your rent and your 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 bills and there wasn't much left over. And for, I think everyone listening has had that feeling. I know I have that feeling in your gut like, oh my gosh, I'm in trouble. I don't know where to turn on this. I now have put myself in this situation. What is your story about that? Had that fear and anxiety and how do we how do we take some initial steps to get out of that? Well, I think it starts with reality. And my friend, Dr. John Deloney, talks about choosing reality in his new book. But it's hard for people to just get their head out of the sand and just look at the real numbers. A lot of us don't even know. If you ask the average American, hey, exactly how much debt do you have? Exactly what is your take-home pay every month? A lot of them would just go, I have a rough idea, maybe. And so what happened in my story was, I had identity theft happen. And so I pulled my oh. credit report to see what was going on. And people across the country had opened up credit uh, phone accounts in my name, AT&T, Verizon, racked up 1700 bucks. And I'm, a, I'm in 23 years old. I'm freaking oh out God. going, oh, my gosh. Luckily, I had ID theft protection covered at Ramsey when I first started, which was a huge blessing to help me clean up the mess. But when I pulled my credit report, what I, what I found was even more jarring it listed out all of my debts and the interest rates and the balances and who it was owed to. And I couldn't breathe looking at that number. It was $36,000 owed to the, all these student loan companies, $4,000 owed to Discover and American Express because I was trying to get my Sky Miles to get my free flight. All the <laughs> while, I'm paying 20% interest on this debt. And so that led me to a place where I realized my income was barely enough to just cover my bills and my debt payments. And I went, this is what I, I was promised a great life. Like I was a smart kid. I got almost all A's, a few B's. I did everything I was told to do. And yet here I was still struggling. And that got me really frustrated and truthfully cynical toward a, a lot of people and toward adulthood in general. And I think that's where a lot of people find themselves today. Uh, and there's kind of a fatalist mentality. We've adopted Eeyore as our spirit animal. And we're going, well, you'll always have a car payment. Might as well drive something nice. And so that that's kind of the behavior we've turned to. And, uh, you know, I, it's again, it's easy to blame and point fingers. And it's even fun for a little while and cathartic. But at the end of the day, no one's coming to save you. I mean, we saw what happened with student loan forgiveness. It got shot down. And people that have been holding on to that hope for years are now left picking up the pieces. And uh, we hope to step in and go, you're the solution. You're the problem. You're the solution. If you believe that, there's hope for you yet. Good thoughts, good perspectives. You know, through the course of the day today, just just be observant and watch the uh, what ads or and messages that are coming your way on the radio, uh, your digital communications, TV, everything. And here's what I've noticed, George. See if you if you disagree with this, but every, it's almost every message is designed to separate you from your money. Mm. Everything is designed to separate that, and so you have to have your guard up so much to avoid social comparison. Here's my point. Marketers know what they're doing. In fact, so 2% cash back, George, with a high risk then, a very high high potential of having a credit card balance at 22%. Logically, George, that does not make sense. 
So why do we keep doing it? Well, number one, we we get kind of comfortable in our poopy diapers when we go, well, we can afford the payments. We're, we're making it. We're not building wealth. We're not doing all the things we want to do, but there's always another solution to help us get to that thing we want. And that shortcut looks a lot like debt. And often the the evidence of our envy is debt. And that's what all this marketing is designed to do. I have a whole chapter in the book on marketing and consumerism because I was so passionate. It wasn't really part of the debt system, but yet that is how debt is peddled to us. And you're right. All of it is meant to go, hey, if you just had this thing and you know what, you deserve that thing. And don't worry about it. We got your back. That's what yep. these buy now, pay laters are telling people. Oh, you need financial breathing room. You should put that on payment so that you don't have to pay the whole thing today. That's going to hurt. And instead, we chain ourselves to payments for the next six months, for the next six years. And we're seeing loans just get longer and longer. The, the days of the 96-month car loan are upon us. And we're talking about eight years of being chained to a car payment. Yeah. And so we've got to just take a step back and go, this is broken. And you can opt out of it. And that's the whole point of the book is to create that paradigm shift and go, this is something you can opt out of. I'm living proof. Millions have done this. You don't need a credit score to live your life. I got a mortgage without a credit score. I've rented apartments. I've rented cars. I've done all of the things without debt. And I'm telling people my life is better because of it. I built wealth faster because of it. There's a different path. You don't have to go with the sheep. How long did it take you to get out of debt? For me, it was 18 months to get out of that consumer debt I talked about, that 40000 and that was following the Ramsey baby steps, using the debt snowball method, paying my debts smallest to largest, sacrificing, not eating out, getting you know two or three side hustles, and I'll tell you, it was worth it. I would do it all over again for the freedom that I have today. So, George, one of, one of my friends, and she's been on the podcast, she's a psychologist, she's a performance coach, she is Dr. Julie Gurner. She's in New York. And uh, here's one of her tweets she has put up. Being broke in America is horrible. And that should be all the motivation you need to figure out a way not to be. One way or the other, life has a path of it's, you got to choose your heart. And I know you've talked about it. Rachel has talked about it. But just going along and being broke is just painful. It's worry. It's stress. And getting out of debt is not easy. Your, your thoughts on that, that tweet from Dr. Julie Gurner. Oh, absolutely. I'm definitely aligned with that. In the, in the book, I have this quote, America has become land of the free and home of the broke. And I, I believe we, we truly live in an amazing country with so much opportunity. And the landscape today of just the fact that I can just get onto an app and pick up a side hustle and go make some money is just incredible to me. The, the opportunities that are out there and the fact that we're all sitting there in the most advanced society ever, with and we have less time and money than ever before. It just doesn't make sense. Yeah, and I think a lot of it is due to that lifestyle creep. Uh, but at the end of the day, the 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 heart that I felt as callers call in, I just want to hug them and say, "You work too hard to feel this broke." And I say feel with emphasis because it's not always that you actually are broke. People are calling in, Darren, and they make two hundred thousand dollars. Think of that. But they're in tears because they have payments all around them and they've created a mess. And so. I truly don't think that everyone is struggling because we all need to get paid more money. More money is is a great help to pay off debt and build wealth, but it's what you do with the money that you do have coming in that makes all the difference. And we found people that make $30,000 that pay off debt. We make find people that make 300,000 that pay off their debt. And everyone's journey is different. And so never compare yourself and go, well, it'd be easy for me to pay off debt if I made $200,000. 
Sure, but we're not living their life. We don't know their story. And so the best thing you can do is focus on those baby steps. What is right for me? How do I stop feeling this way, feeling mm -hmm. broke? And then how do I take steps to not try to look wealthy, but actually be wealthy? And I say that because not because money is the goal, but money is an obstacle holding us back from the people that we want to become. Good, good. You work too hard to feel this broke. That's the quote, isn't it? That's it. I am, I, mean, I shouldn't say surprised because when I graduated high school in 1985, we really didn't have a lot of courses on financial literacy. They taught us how to balance the checkbook. And that was pretty much it. Good luck, everybody. You now are ready for the, for the world. And I don't think they do much at all in high school right now. So there's just a, just a really a, an absence of that information. This book is meant to fill a gap for now of financial literacy for people who never learned it. And for the young people, this is preventative medicine. For the older people, this might be emergency surgery. You know, that's a lot of the Ramsey show. Dave says, amputate the Tahoe. It's time to get rid of it. You're 55. You have nothing in retirement. You're driving yeah. your retirement. This is a problem. But for young people, they have, you know, when they hear adults give them money advice, they go, okay, boomer. They don't want to hear it. But I hear the heart of the adults saying, you could avoid so much. You have compound growth and time on your hands to avoid these mistakes and build so much wealth if you just focus and build the right habits today. But for the millennial that's out there that is thinking, what? I've been lied to, George. I've been lied to. And I thought that going to college was going to give me that ticket to get into play in this, to achieve the life that I want. There's some cynicism out there. I hear it all the time. What would you say to that person who may be 30, 31 saying, I missed the 2023 stock market boom. You know, I, I wasn't in, I can't buy a house. I am in debt. This is not the way it's supposed to be. What, what would you say to that person? Well, it reminds me of this old saying, the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. The next best time is today. And so we can wallow and go, man, I should have done this 20 years ago, but really the future is all we have. And so what we can start creating in the present, building those habits is the best thing we can do. And I, I start the breaking free from the system chapter. After I lay out all of how the system is designed to keep you broke in the first two thirds of the book, I open with this quote in that next chapter, the truth will set you free, but first it will piss you off. And I love that energy because we need to channel that anger. Anger can be a good thing if it causes us to create some positive life change. So we need to turn that anger into action, which is hard to do because truthfully, anger is it's easy to sit in that. And it, it just sort of festers and builds and grows. But if we don't actually turn it and convert it into positive energy, then our life is never going to be better. And we're going to be in the same place a year from now going, well, that resolution to pay off debt is still sitting there from That's last right. January. And I've just seen, I have too much hope because I've seen so many people from everyday walks of life show up on our debt-free stage and share their story and share the sacrifice. And it changes marriages. And so we, we you know, discipline and transformation begets more discipline and transformation. We've seen if you can get your money right, you can finally hit those physical goals and those intellectual goals and get that degree you always wanted to get to and have that marriage you always wanted to and be generous the way you wished you could. And so that's why I, I have such hope in is if you can follow a proven plan, submit yourself to this process, let go of the past trauma and baggage and mistakes you've made and just move forward, then you can truly have a year and a life you never thought possible. Yeah, that's a needed perspective for sure. In your book, the introduction, it said the first two words, average sucks. And then you have a quote from, from C.S. Lewis. You're not messing around. When the whole world is running toward a cliff, he who is running the opposite direction appears to have lost his mind. Tell me more about why you opened the book that way. 
Well, C.S. Lewis has always had a way with words, and uh, I've, I've always loved his work. But that one really summed up the heart of the book, because I knew going into writing this book just how controversial it was in in today's world. You know, telling someone that they don't need a credit card or a credit score and that the way to build wealth is a 401k and a paid for house is asinine. People are going, you shouldn't pay off your house. You should invest in crypto. You need to never pay off debt. It, it boggles my mind how much anger is thrown at us at Ramsey for just gods and grandma's ways of handling money. I mean, most of the wisdom I have is not from me. It's from the book of Proverbs. You know, it was written thousands of years ago. And so I love that it's so timeless and yet it's so jarring. And it kind of, I kind of like that, but I talk about in the book that this is going to be offensive. And so what I want people to have is an open mind. This is not a shock jock book where I'm just trying to rile you up. The data is what riles you up. It's not anything I have to say. It's just the bare bones stats and state of America today is what should cause anger. But it's true. When you're running in the opposite direction, you're swimming upstream. Everyone's going, dude, we got to go that way. And you're like, no, 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 no. There's a cliff. You're about to go $50,000 into debt for that car that you can't afford. I'm going to go this way and drive the beater car. And it's not a sexy path, truthfully. You know, nothing we say has any shortcuts involved. It just looks like hard work and sacrifice, but it also looks like freedom and peace and margin and joy. And that's what I hope people are led towards in a world that feels so chaotic and out of control. You know, we all we all have that feeling or have had that feeling of the opposite of freedom and joy. It's the it's the constant worry and the stress. We've all had that or are currently going through it. Imagine that feeling you've had for decades, that constant worry. What if that were gone and replaced with something else? What if someone is now listening and saying, okay, that's me. I am ready to take some steps here. I got I to gotta change. What would an immediate next step be for them? Well, if you're wanting to get tactical on the money side, the Ramsey baby steps are tried and true. And, you know, it, it's not broke, so you don't need to fix it. And it starts with really basic steps, but they're focused, intentional, one at a time in order. And what I find as I take calls on the Ramsey show from people struggling, they're trying to do some good things. They're just trying to do it all at once. And it's overwhelming and they don't make progress and they fall off the wagon, they fall off the horse and it's hard to get back on. So the baby steps start with, just a $1,000 starter emergency fund. That's it. We can get 1000 bucks in the bank real quick as a little buffer for those ankle biter emergencies. Next, we're going to focus on consumer debt in baby step two. Pay it all off using the debt snowball method, smallest to largest balance, regardless of the interest rate. The payment gets freed up. You roll it into the next debt and the next debt. And that's how I got out of debt and millions have as well. And then baby step three, we have no debt now. We got no payments. Now we need, need to build a force field between us and life with a fully funded emergency fund of three to six months of expenses. And that might take another six to 12 months to build that up. But think about where you are. Maybe for the first time in your life, you have no payments and a big pile of money in the bank to protect you. That's what I call financial peace right there. Regardless of your income, you're going to be able to live a pretty good life with no debt payments and that emergency fund. Now we can be begin building for the future instead of paying for the past. And that's baby step four. Invest 15% of your income into retirement. Most people I know, they're lucky to get the employer match at 3% and they think right. I'm winning. 3% is not going to give you a great retirement. So when we can get it out of debt, free up the payments, get the emergency fund, we have the margin to invest 15% and retire with dignity. Once we have that plate spinning, four, five, six are done simultaneously. So we, we're investing for a retirement. We put our own mask on. Now we can save for the kid's college fund in baby step five. 
put some money away in a 529 plan or an education savings account. Let that money grow. And then while we're doing that, any extra money, let's put towards that mortgage principal and pay that mortgage off because that's our biggest expense for most people. And if we can free up our largest fixed expense, man, we could do some fun spending, we can do some fun giving, and we can invest even more than that 15%, which is what Baby Step 7 is, build wealth and give. And that's a fun place to be. And I've had the pleasure of being there for a few years now with my wife, Whitney. And I'm telling you, the most fun you can have with money is giving. And I end the book with a chapter called Generosity is Joy, because I think that's what we're all after is joy. And one of the reasons we don't have it is because we're so clenched with our fists because of money stress. And if True. we could just open it up and give, we could realize that, man, money is more than just about us and our problems. We can, we can cover our own bills. We can worry about other people's bills. And that's where you get real joy. You talked about um, cars in here, uh, car payments and car loans. Uh, and one thing I learned is that that new car purchase price, let's say it's $40,000 to buy a brand new car. One minute after you drive that off the lot, that value has dropped by 10%. You've just lost $4,000 the minute you put that in drive and you pull out of that dealership. And then year by year, it, it you lose even more value. And then after five years, it's just worth a fraction of it, depreciating mm -hmm. asset. But literally within 60 seconds, you've lost $4,000. Yeah, well, we've seen over the last few years, car prices are at record highs. Car payments are at record highs. Over $700 for the average new car payment. Uh, interest rates are at record highs. So this problem is just getting worse. And I'll tell you, as we take calls on The Ramsey Show, more and more people, every, almost every single person with a car loan is calling in saying, I'm underwater on this car. Of course. It's only worth 20000 I owe thirty-five. What do I do? And what people don't realize is, you're paying interest on a depreciating asset. And so the example I have in the book is the car is 40,000. With interest over the term of the loan, you end up paying 50,000. Yeah. Well, by the time that loan is over, you've paid it off. The car is only worth 16,000 thanks to depreciation. This is a huge problem. And I call it, um, it's America's wealth killer. And I call this whole crisis Carmageddon just to keep it a little bit light and fun, you know, a little apocalyptic. But it's one of the reasons people are having a hard time building wealth and paying off other debt is these car payments are just killing them. I mean, they're becoming mortgage payments. More and more people have a car payment of over $1,000, which is astronomical. Close to 20% of all new car loans now have a payment of over $1,000. And the note, the note, as you, as you know, the average note is uh, like six and a half years on a car. Yeah, we recommend buying used cars and people think we're talking about a 30-year-old beater car, yeah. you know, like that old Saturn that's been sitting on the lot. All we're <laughs> saying is that new car with depreciation, you should pay for it after someone's already got it depreciated. Yeah. Someone else has already made the mistake of buying it new. And so only when you are a net worth millionaire should and could you buy a brand new vehicle when it's a right. small part of your world. And so for most people, whatever cash you can save up is what is what car you can afford today. And that doesn't mean you'll be driving it for the next five years. You know, I had a $6,000 Honda Civic with a bumper hanging off. Dave Ramsey's making fun of me, but we had a goal. We're going to pay off the house and then I'll upgrade the car. And so then I upgraded to a different used car. And so as you do that over time, you flex this muscle called delayed gratification. And I think that's at the heart of wealth building. It's at the heart of anything worth having. And But we live in an instant gratification culture. It's microwaves versus crockpots. And we want it now and we want to look good now. And we can't stomach any kind of judgment from friends or family. And so we just make poor decisions that leave us with debt. Yeah. So the, I hear the message there is be a crockpot is what I'm hearing. 
be a crockpot in a world full of microwaves. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> you know, my um, own car story, I bought a 2014 BMW X3. And oh, great car. Was, oh, my gosh. Don't get me started. It was so good. Had about 80,000 miles on it. And, um, but as soon as I bought it and I pulled into the lot where I work, I started getting ribbed by some of the guys. And these are the same guys who just bought a brand new F-150. Can't argue with a truck guy. Okay. You know, there's just nothing. Well, I got to haul stuff. You know, that's another what? problem is trucks are so astronomically expensive and everyone thinks I need one. Hey, George, um, you're doing a lot of interviews. Is there anything that, that I just have not covered a message or a question that you think I probably should have asked the, to deliver a, a message people need to hear? Ooh. Well, I, I think there's this idea that sort of it'll put a bow on all of this. And I mentioned this in the book, but we have a lot of FOMO in today's culture. That's the fear of missing out. That's what's driving a lot of these impulsive decisions and driving us to debt and discontentment. And what I talk about in the book is what I want people to have is JOMO. It's the joy of missing out. And it sounds countercultural, like, well, missing out, why, why would that bring joy? And to me, JOMO is going like, the path I'm on, I'm confident in. I don't need that new car. I'm happy with where I'm at. I'm content. I have gratitude for the life that I live right now and for where I'm headed. And if we can all harness a little bit of that JOMO and put down the FOMO, we're going to make different decisions. If you can just like write that on your mirror at home, JOMO in big words, because I think so much of us, we're astronomically blessed in America, and yet it never feels like enough because of that ad we just saw on our Instagram telling us we need this next product to change our life, yeah. to help us sleep better. To, And if you could just get out of debt and have an emergency fund and invest in your 401k and be present with your family, we would all be living better lives. And so if you can just put those blinders on, have that JOMO and create that life you want to live that you're not exhausted by, that's a win in my book. That's what we're really after. And I talk about the fruits of the spirit in the start of the in the very title page, because I think those character virtues are what we're really after. It's not just more money. It's not just becoming debt free. We want to be people that have patience, that have self-control, that have joy, that have margin in our lives. And that's the heart of the book. I want to talk about money so we can stop talking about money so we can live that life. Well put. George, what is the best way to follow you and all the cool things you're up to? Absolutely. Well, you can find me online at George Camel. It's Camel with a K, K-A-M-E-L. Uh, my Middle Eastern roots are showing there with my dad. Uh, but you can also be sure to check out the book, uh, Breaking Free from Broke. You can get it at RamseySolutions.com slash store. Whether you're 25 or 55, I know it's going to give you hope. I worked hard to make it humorous, fill it with research and data that it gives people hope and helps us put down the cynicism this year. So George, at the end of each podcast, I ask my guests, what is your I dare you challenge for all of us? The one thing we could try or do differently to live the life that we want. So what is your I dare you challenge for all of us? Ooh, this is a fun one. I think this is a great start. If you want to start this journey, I dare you to cut up the credit card. And if you're not willing to cut it up, I dare you to pause 30 days, put it in a block of ice, put it in a safe and stick to debit cards and cash. And I dare you to see how it changes the way you spend. I dare you, because here's what I know to be true. People have done this. They tell me, I had an extra $700 this month somehow, <laughs> magically. And so that's a great, I talk about it in the credit cards chapter at the end. It's my no credit card challenge. And I think it's a great, I dare you to just step foot outside of the matrix and see what a taste of financial peace could feel like. <laughs> Step free from the matron. So, George, congratulations to you on this. And th thanks so much for being part of this podcast because you're now helping all of us 
live the life we want and to uh, break free from broke. So I appreciate you being here, sir. Darren, it's an honor. You're such a pro what you do. Thanks for helping people. We're all on the same mission. Okay, that was George Camel. I like that guy. I like the fact that he's a millennial and he just is so direct and so clear-spoken about how to break free from broke. So now that you listened, who are you going to share this episode with? We're living in the matrix, everyone. And if you can share this episode to help them see things differently, you're going to help somebody. You're going to help somebody's life today with this episode. So don't hesitate. I appreciate listening to the I Dare You podcast. Make sure you subscribe and also follow us on Instagram. We have a great community there, at I Dare You Pod. There you're going to find great information, all designed to equip and inspire you to live your best life, and also video snippets of all of our interviews, including this one with George. Thanks for listening to episode 103, everyone. It was all about financial wellness. Now, the next two episodes, we're going to spend some time talking about human relations and people skills and those soft skills that are so important in life and in career. And I know there's a lot of talk about technology and artificial intelligence, which is why we're devoting the next two episodes toward human relations and connecting with others. You're not going to want to miss these. These are like master classes on how to connect with others and to have more influence in your life. Join us next week on I Dare You podcast for episode 104. I'll see you then.